Welcome to episode 51 of For the Love of Guns. My name is Jason Scheller, and I've got an amazing guest for you today. It's Diana Muller. Diana Muller is a two-time national three-gun champion, the founder of the DC Project, and she's got her hands in so many things in the firearms industry that you're just going to have to listen to find out. She's an amazing person, and she is fighting for 2A rights. Now, she does want to remind you that August is National Shooting Sports Month, and I'm going to steal a video and pop it up on the screen for you right off her Instagram account to show you how much shooting sports is important to her and her husband. Now, before we talk to Diana, it's time to pay the bills. And this episode is brought to you by, well, you. You're the reason that I can continue to bring you content, but I do need your help. I need you to go to www.trb.fyi and up in the menu, you'll see partners and discounts. Click on there. And those are all, are all the companies that have partnered with me to bring you content. Click on the links and then go shopping. And a small portion of your purchase will come back to the channel. And it's not going to cost you a penny more. Now, if you notice, it said partners and discounts. That's right. There's discount codes there. Use those discount codes to save a little bit of money at checkout. So not only are you going to be supporting the channel, but you're going to be saving money by doing it. So go check that out. Now with the bills paid, let's talk to Diana. Diana, tell me about your love of guns. Absolutely. My name is Diana Muller. I have been from Tulsa for uh, about 30 years, but recently moved to Coffeyville, Kansas. I'm a retired Tulsa police officer. I am a professional competitive shooter and the founder of the DC Project and the Ambassador Academy. It's funny because we were talking offline. I was, I was kind of joking, but it was really serious that you're one of the busiest people in the 2A community. I mean, it is, you, you've got things going on everywhere right now. Well, it's nice that you see that because we really try hard. Our whole team is trying hard to be effective. Uh, and for you to say something like that and then recognize that the DC project is showing up and, and being seen, then that really does make a difference. Awesome. Now, how did you get into shooting? Is this something that you started out as a in child or go into it a little bit later? Well, I'm at my parents' house. And uh, this is part of my dad's man cave reloading room. And so he was always in law enforcement. He was into shooting, uh, not necessarily into hunting, but we did try hunting when I was 15, 16 years old. I went deer hunting, uh, but he's had us around guns my entire life. Um, and honestly, like, you know, Julie Galab was very uh, up and coming when she might be, I think she's actually a little bit younger than me, but I always pursued horses. We had horses growing up. And uh, when I got out on my own, I stuck with horses and my dad really wanted me to be Julie Glob. And he would have hoped that I would go into the shooting sports, but I had something different in mind. And for about the first 18 years of my adult life by myself, I was barrel racing, doing the horse thing. And then um, God kind of changed my life, changed my heart. Um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they built the United States Shooting Academy. And I had dabbled in competitive shooting, pistol shooting, USPSA shooting when I was growing up high school. And um, I thought, you know, Diana, you should probably go to a match just to knock the rust off, get behind your gun, have some fun. And I honestly fell in love with the people. The people were amazing and I liked hanging out with them. So over the course of a couple of years, I went from 100% horses to 50-50 to 75-25. Eh, and then finally I sold everything in 2011, moved to town and uh, just was shooting as a hobby. And then uh, it turned into I was shooting more and more and more. And it was almost a full time job. So I retired early in 2014 after 22 years. And I was living the dream, living the dream of shooting for a living and living on sponsorships. And uh, it didn't take long for God to really uh, expose what his plans were, because in 2015 is when 
I kind of had the aha moment sitting in a legislator's office as a tourist. And uh, I was like, hey, is there something that we should be doing as professional shooters to educate the people in this building? And from there, that's the seed that started the DC project. And now I work exponentially harder than I've ever worked in my entire <laughs> life for free. For free. Yeah. That, it, it's kind of funny how that works, though. But it, it those those free things are the, you know, those free jobs are the ones that really drive your passion, though. Um, because, you know, yeah. I know through volunteerism, it's, you know, you don't get paid. It's, 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 it's great work, though. It's so satisfying to know that you're helping people out. And that you can pick any passion you want and there's something to volunteer for. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it may not be people that we help, but uh, it's definitely the country. I think that we're focused on helping. And uh, along the way, it really is kind of cool because the women, uh, once they get involved with the DC project and they, they, you can see them flourish. You can see, Oh, this isn't really my gig and, and bless their hearts because it wasn't my gig. I had absolutely no desire to do what we're doing. And uh, I just jumped into the deep end and, and started flailing around and figuring out how to swim and, uh, and then to watch other ladies go through that process of, of, of even coming to Washington, D.C. or going to a city council meeting. We've got ladies that, you know, are going to city council meetings and uh, testifying. And it's just it's amazing to see uh, a little bit of the ripple effect uh, from what we started in 2015 it's funny because i remember my father died when uh it was a 20 uh not 20 um 1996 but i remember you know we were shooting and i i had actually got him into competition shooting he taught me how to shoot as a kid i grew up with guns and in the outdoors and um when i turned 21 i went out and bought a glock uh i was living in maryland at the time oh so i waited i waited my my waiting period and I remember my father telling me, he goes, why'd you buy that? I'm like, well, you know, this is the new thing coming up. And, uh, and I got inside, inside the, the, the Glock was a little pamphlet for GSSF. That's how I started off competition shooting. And it was great because that was a great way to lead in because, you know, you're talking about Julie Golub and thinking about Bianchi Cup. Those are some, those are some competitions that, really are intimidating right because you got targets moving back and forth and, and i'm like yeah I, i'd like to do competition shooting but that's a that's a little beyond and it, it's kind of your gateway drug right you start right. you start off small with gssf then comes along ipsic and then uspsa three yeah. gun and you, you you get the bug and you just can't stop um so it, it's kind of great and then but i was going back to where i was going with that he, when he was still alive, I remember him saying that women are the future of of the Second Amendment, you know, of keeping this right. Women are the future of it. And I, I remember I talking know, to him. And going, I don't know if he realized it, but, you know, just since this awakening in 2015 for me, um, I have realized I, I I don't even know if I had heard of Mom's Demand Action, honestly. Uh, but Moms Demand Action is a Bloomberg funded, um, they call themselves grassroots, but I like to call them AstroTurf because they are totally, <laughs> you know, they had, I think in 2020, they had like a, tw a $60 million budget. So they want to call the NRA all sorts of bad names and these big bad lobbyists, but um, they are honestly just as big and bad as any lobbyists that, uh, that is out there. Uh, and they, they prey upon women. And they call for restrictions. More gun restrictions is the answer. More gun restrictions is the answer. They've gotten a little savvy in the past several years about, you know, realizing that that message isn't very palatable to everybody. So they have kind of changed it to gun safety. They, they try to co-opt these words to make themselves. Um, there's, they have a program called Be Smart. And part of it is very good information, but they always put in their guns are bad. Yeah. And we need gun control, more gun control. So uh, in the beginning, I had no idea that the DC project would even exist, that would be effective, that now we are, I kind of see that we are the counter visual and the counter voice to mom's demand action. 
we have the same stories. We have the same voices. We have the same um, emotions, uh, but we have different solutions. And our legislators, our communities, our friends and our families, it's so important for them to hear that from us. Uh, because right now they're just being bombarded with all of this misinformation and lies and propaganda that guns are bad, guns are bad, guns are bad. Uh, and then they squelch those of us who would say otherwise. So they really do have a monopoly on the information. Uh, and, and, and humans are definitely very malleable. They can be manipulated and uh, it works. I mean, marketing is a bazillion dollar industry for a reason yeah 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 it's it's being sales let me bring i'm going to bring up the the dc projects website here real quick okay now i'm on the who we are and for those of you on the audio side um you can go out and i'll have the links down in the description below but the one of the the things that i see with the dc project is is that you have what i like to call a kick-ass staff, right? <laughs> I mean, you have some very, very powerful women on your board here. You have the advisory board, which yourself as the founder, Robin Sandoval, who actually is how the two of us met. She was on the podcast about six weeks ago. Huh? Um, you know, we were talking about a girl and a gun. I mean, you have Stephanie, Beth Walker, uh, Kelly, Laura. I mean, you have all these people, have the state directors too. Um, so these are your local uh, state representatives for the DC project. It's not just DC, you know, Washington DC that you're focused on. You're focused on the states as well. Correct. Well, in 2019, uh, if you recall, Virginia fell to an all democratic, all anti-gun yep. legislative body from the top down. And it was that kind of a light bulb moment of like, oh boy, the fight's really in the states. We're not, you know, how much how much are we really doing when we just go to the federal level? So I asked the women who had been coming to D.C. with me to go back to their home states and be, uh, you know, be a me in their in in their own state and start recruiting and shepherding women and and teaching women and taking them to meet their legislators, encouraging them to go to festivals, encouraging them really to be a counter to mom's demand action. Wherever you would see, you know, if there's a hearing, we want to see that teal for 2A sitting in the, sitting right next to the, to the, the red shirts of mom's demand action. So uh, it's really been amazing. Uh, you know, Illinois is very hostile and Lori Blackwell doing a fantastic job of leading and stirring a pot in Illinois. She's been to, I want to say Naperville, uh, the Highland Park area, uh, Arlington, maybe been to several city council meetings and testifying and, and taking a handful of ladies in that teal shirt that says educate, not legislate. And uh, that's how you make a difference is you show up and you have a, a different narrative. You you tell the truth and you stand up for the truth. You don't let the uh, the propaganda machine win by. Uh, default, you know, if you don't show up, then why shouldn't they believe what they hear uh, the propaganda machine saying? So it's really up to us. It's really up to we, the people I have. I've never been involved in politics. And uh, since this 2015 enlightenment moment, I have definitely gotten immersion. Um, I don't like it. I, I wish it were up and up and honest, but um, I think everybody knows how crooked it is. But really, our founding fathers gave us the tools to be we the people and to be the power. And it is really our fault that it has gotten this far. Um, and I can only encourage your audience to, you know, start locally. Uh, if you don't think that you, you don't think it's you that needs to run for school board or city, county, uh, state, federal office, start finding somebody who you do think it is and, and support them with your talent, your treasure and your time. So it's funny that you talk about the, the local. Uh, we're going to bring up Kansas here. We have Rebecca Schmo in Kansas. Mm -hmm. uh, oddly enough, Rebecca is going to be on the podcast next week. So those of you listening, you already know who the guest is next week. Yep. Um, and 
you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Rebecca is because I believe in starting with local, local and state, because you can swing the needle faster with right. your local and your state representatives than you can in D.C. I mean, in D.C., it, it takes a freight train right. to try to get to try to get some momentum. And, you know, Rebecca, she's got a she's got a great story with with starting with doing the whole, uh, you know, basically fighting the, the, uh, was it a million, what she has, the million moms. One million um, against gun one million, control. Yeah, against gun control. And then she kind of got thrown into politics this year. Um, well, she, it. she don't know if she got thrown in there, but she said, you know, send me. And yeah. uh, so she is exactly who I'm talking about of, of stepping up to the plate and taking a swing at it. She just won her primary. Uh, she's going for her uh, state representative seat. And, you know, Rebecca is a per perfect example. Like find these people who are like passionately uh, uh, passionate about the Constitution and support them. I mean, I've never given I've rarely given any money and I've given the most money to Rebecca uh, as much as I've maxed it out for whatever it is, five hundred dollars uh, for her campaign. Uh, because I, you know, I believe that we as conservatives, you know, we like to hang on to our money and we don't think that we have enough money to give to local um, candidates and things like that. But we have got to start matching the George Soros. And, uh, you know, if a million of us gave five hundred dollars as opposed to one person giving whatever that would be, five hundred million dollars, um, then then. But we have to start. We have to start somewhere. So, yeah, I'm very proud of her. We've got another gal that is running for office up in Delaware. And, and honestly, I hope that the D.C. project spurs these women into running for office, because like you were talking about earlier, you know, everybody's so hyper um, feminism, hyper woman, hyper, you know, trying to beat the men down and these gender roles. So. Uh, if that's the world we're going to live in uh, and it's going to take women to uh, good constitutionally sound women to step up to the plate, then let's do it. So you're talking about uh, Kim Peters in Delaware, mm -hmm. which is it's funny because I come to Montana by way of Delaware. Yeah, oh. uh, I went to high school in Delaware and it's it was Delaware especially when I lived in Maryland and I moved to Delaware, it became a pretty free state for, for guns. Um, it, Delaware has become a pretty nasty battleground for gun control. Every, everything up in the Northeast has been becoming, you know, purple, if not blue. Um, and uh, it's like cancer. I mean, you really, you really do have to eradicate the cancer to prevent it from spreading. And I don't see any, you know, whatever the topic is, I don't see us standing up against this cancerous ideology uh, that's really communism masked as socialism. Um, I, I just see them steamrolling it, I, whether it be the border or whether it be, uh, you know, pick a, pick a topic. Uh, the economy, um, it's just its just crazy that they are steamrolling our entire country. Now, if you had to sum up what the D.C. Project is about, what, how would you sum that up to somebody who's never heard of the D.C. Project before? I would say that it's just women safeguarding the Second Amendment, uh, speaking out on why we want the Second Amendment, why we think guns are the answer. Uh, as opposed to the the opposite voice that you get from Moms Demand, Every Town, Brady, uh, Giffords, and all the anti gun lobbies. Now, with uh, with the DC project, you're not just about you know going to DC doing these things. You also do have events that do kind of help drive the political uh, spectrum there. Where let me bring the website back up again. You have, we scroll down, coming up in September 16th at the, at the, at the uh, D.C., you know, the Capitol building there, you have a, a rally. Would you, would you mind talking a little bit about that? Sure. So traditionally, annually, we go to, to Washington, D.C. at least once a year with all of our state directors. And at the end of our week there, uh, we have a rally on the Capitol lawn. 
So I'm not a rally person. I don't like uh, chanting. I don't like holding signs. It makes me very uncomfortable. But over the years, I have, I, I mean, I feel the power of being in the nation's capital. And I feel the, um, now I don't mind it so much anymore. But it was definitely outside my comfort zone when we started. And uh, I, so, yeah, it's generally been a very small gathering, but it has been so powerful. We have speakers and it only lasts for a couple of hours. Um, but I, anybody who's close or wants to come in on a, on a Friday morning, we're going to go from about 1 to 3 p.m. on the Capitol lawn. Uh, this September 16th is a Friday. And then you can use the rest of the weekend to be tourists. It's, uh, it would be a really nice, nice week weekend. And, and DC is not a bad place to be a tourist. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Philly. I lived in Maryland. Uh, I went through DC as a kid. My father was a salesperson. He sold into DC and it, there's some amazing things there, but it's, it's really, I mean, I remember as a kid, one of my, one of my fondest memories is actually going through the Capitol building because, you know, this is where things happen. Right. This is where the country country does business. So getting on that lawn and speaking up for what, you know, whatever cause that you're working for is it's powerful. I mean, it's, it's empowering to stand there and go, we were here. We were at I was in front of the Capitol standing up for, you know, the Second Amendment for mm -hmm. women's right to carry a firearm to protect yeah. themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I love, I have a love-hate relationship with D.C. I mean, it's so crooked. Everybody does. <laughs> it, you know, I hate it, but I love it. I mean, the history that's there, and you think about the people who have walked those halls. You go over to Arlington and um, see the cemetery. You go to um, Alexandria, and they've got, like, you know, uh, little bars, and they have uh, monuments and say, you know, that these people, George Washington met here yep. with so-and-so. And I'm just like, it's just like blowing my mind that, uh, I'm sure I'd be the same way if I went to Israel and I'm like, Jesus was here. <laughs> you're, you're literally walking in the footsteps yes, of, yes. of history. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I remember I grew up in Philly. I remember the bicentennial. Yeah. Um, as a kid. And what's sad was, is I was so young that I didn't fully appreciate it. Yeah, there was Ben Franklin and Betsy Ross. And what's what's so funny is these are all now becoming icons of. Yeah. They're um, extreme. Yeah. And, and what's so funny is they, we people talk about it. You know, it's extremist. That's kind of the founding of our country. I mean, you don't have a bunch of farmers go out and take on the largest army in the world and declare free, you know, declare rights before they do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, and this was, they understood that it, our right to, um, you know, free speech, our right to firearms was yeah. that, that was the future. That's, this is how we protect the country. This is how we protect ourselves. And it really is the capstone of our entire constitution because without the second, there is no first. There's third. no first. Yeah. There is absolutely no guarantee that they won't just trample the rest of them. And to try to get our citizenry to understand that is very, very difficult. So very frustrating. Yeah, it's, it is. Now, one other thing is the, um, you have to compete for a cause. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, for the past four years, I want to say this was our fourth year that we've had a three-gun, two-man team match. And it is so much fun. If you watch that video, you're just going to be on a high. Um, but uh, it's one of, the, one of our fundraisers. So we have like a banquet on Friday night, and then we shoot Saturday, Sunday. Uh, we've, had, we've had a great time. And it's been in Texas. It's been in Missouri. And um, I'm not sure what the 2023 calendar looks like. But... Uh, we do have fundraisers all over the country. We really try to push those state directors to go out and, and raise a little bit of money um, for, for the cause. And we turn around and we use that for, uh, you know, whether it be testimony. You know, we've testified in front of uh, Congress several times. 
and we'll have uh, at least the girl that's testifying and one other person. So we have expenses like that when we go to Washington, D.C. Uh, next and month. It's, it's not cheap to go to D.C. No, no, it's not. Um, but we and we have 50, 60 people going. So, um, yeah, it's a very it's a bigger budget. But we have a lot of support. We're getting a lot. We're getting some traction. And uh, these bigger companies, these bigger donors are recognizing our work and um, throwing us some pretty big bones for for a small for a fledgling group. Uh, so I really hope that we just continue to prove our worth and that people will want to invest in us and we can continue to grow. Because, again, this is a David and Goliath situation with Moms Demand or or Everytown or any of these other groups that um, that we are countering. Um, it's, it's, we are very small potatoes compared to them. And then with these 87,000 IRS agents that, uh, need to know, yeah. how to them, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that they're going to come after us. So, you know, I would love to have an attorney in our corner beforehand, but, um, I'm just going to leave that up to the Lord to, to handle whatever comes down the pipe. Because I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, you can take, branches of the government and weaponize it against the cause. Um, I, I remember I mean, Lerner. I, I, that's about the time that I started paying attention. And I, I was like, that is so wrong to use the IRS and to use, uh, to, to suppress um, conservatives. Uh, so it's been going on for a long time and they haven't been held accountable, but again, that's we, the people. Yeah. Well, what's so funny is that they, you know, they're talking about how guns are so bad, but yet, the IRS is going to come up with 87,000 agents. The job descriptions talk about using a firearm, um, possibly, and literally talking about shooting a dog. You may need to shoot a dog for your, your protection. And was it, uh, I read, it was like $800,000 worth of ammunition mm -hmm. the IRS is buying. That, that's a lot of, that's a, that's a lot of ammunition for people collecting taxes. <laughs> Absolutely. So now, our, I don't want to say R, but you know, the anti-2A movement has mm -hmm. several ways that they do things. One of them is, is they've embraced the cancel culture. Mm -hmm. Would you mind talking a little bit about how the cancel culture is they're, they're starting to use that cancel culture against pro two a people. Well, I think the cancel culture is a, almost a, a cultural thing. Um, I mean, you see it with, uh, you see it with any subject that you get off the narrative, whether that be in you're in Hollywood or you're a politician or you're a business. So we've seen that for a long time. Um, but what's, and it's just infecting everybody. Everybody is seemingly jumping on board with this without really realizing the repercussions. And I'm thinking specifically of, um, the, the CEOs from Ruger and Daniel Defense, uh, were called to Congress as well as Smith and Wesson, but they had a conflict. So they go to Congress to basically defend their lawful company selling lawful products to lawful customers and their marketing practices. It's disgusting. Uh, but during that meeting, you know, it came up as, do you want to defund the ATF? And um, Mr. Colloy from Ruger said, I don't think that's necessary. And uh, Mr. Daniels from Daniel Defense kind of um, agreed with him. And they are getting so, they are getting so much hate. And I don't know how much Ruger puts into the Second Amendment, but they're around a lot uh, and they're pretty big. They support the D.C. project. Daniel Defense supports the D.C. project. And I know how much they put into, you know, from the years of NRA stuff and um, and how much they give back to the shooting sports and the Second Amendment and how much how they feel about the Second Amendment. So I'm just sitting here watching people like comment on a Daniel Defense post of mine. I'm uh, for transparency. I, I'm actually sponsored by them. But um, 
I'm in this advocacy area. I'm, I'm in it. I know what they do. And for somebody to hate and cause dissension within our own and call them names and bootlickers. And um, that's not helping. That is not moving the ball down the field in the direction that we're going. That is just sitting on your high horse and having never been to Washington, D.C. and testifying in front of that body, having, you know, I've asked people for a little grace. I'm like, you've never, that's, that wasn't the fight for that day. Um, if we want to talk about abolishing things, why don't we abolish the laws? You can't, why, 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 it doesn't make They're sense. not working. The, it the doesn't make sense to abolish the, while the laws are still in place, abolish the people who uh, enforce those laws. The problem is, is that we, the people, aren't running for offices to make the laws go away. So really, it's, it's, it's ironic that these people are hating on somebody for saying that uh, they don't think that the law enforcement needs to go away. Let's focus on the laws uh, and do something about it. At the same time, they're probably doing nothing about it. So the cancel culture has definitely reached our, it's just a bad thing. Well, it, and that, if you think about it, if you want to, if you want to undermine something, you can, you get the people to turn against themselves. I, I say this, I don't like to call them politicians, I like to call them the ruling class because in DC, they're, they're above everybody. They, uh, they can do insider trading, a whole gamut of things they can do that we can't do as, as citizens. But they, they move us to the point where it's not us against them. It's us against us. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? it's, perfect. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful way to destroy our country. And that's what's so sad about it is like, let's say I didn't, let's say I didn't agree with or I was very upset or very disappointed in those guys saying that. Why would I not go to the backside and say, here's my, here's my letter. Here's my, um, here's my disappointment in what you did and what you said and, and keep that within our circle as opposed to making it public and admonishing and demonizing and, and just giving fodder to the people that hate us. It's just, it's dividing us and they're doing it. It's, it's intentional. It's a good ploy. Well, if you think about it, you know, the people that are against, against the two a, they're, they love it when we fight with ourselves. Because oh, yeah. they're like, you see, they're they're um, evil, they're vicious, they're you know, and we're we're the sensible people. Yeah. Um, when when in fact they're they're really kind of evil with some of the stuff that they're doing. Um, but and that's the one thing I really hate. You know, I I love the industry, I love our community, but mm -hmm. it's the one thing I hate about our community. We will. Nitpick. We will eat our own really quick. We do. You know, instead of recognizing something going, hey, look, I understand your point of view. I don't I don't agree with it, but I, I you know, I see where you are. They will just jump down someone. You know, okay. you'll have people like you're not 2A enough or, you know, you have that type of stuff. It's yeah, not not everybody has the same skill level. Right. Yeah. The, the, the judgmental part can definitely work against us. Yeah. Now talk a little bit about the don't abolish the ATF. Um, well, that's kind of what we've been talking about is let's abolish, uh, let's do something about the laws that the ATF enforces right. and then that makes them um, unnecessary. Awesome. Let's, yeah, let's do that. And so that's what, you know, the, the DC project we've got, uh, we'll go to Washington, D.C. and But it doesn't take you to go to Washington, D.C. It doesn't take you to do anything. All you have to do is pick up the phone, 202-224-3121. Uh, that's the congressional switchboard. And uh, if you don't have to memorize it, put it in your phone and call them, call them frequently. All you have to do is tell them where you're from or a zip code, and they'll put you into the right people um, and be the squeaky wheel. We have to become the squeaky wheel. We can't just sit back on our laurels and eat our, you know, eat our little harvest and, and live fat and happy. They're coming to destroy us. They're coming to take our stuff. So uh, 
if you want to just put your little blinders on and say that politics aren't really for me, well, you may not be paying attention to politics, but politics are paying attention to you. Uh, yeah. and, and, and those of you who are ignorant or um, uh, unaware are the ones that are going to be ruled by the people who aren't ignorant or unaware. Yeah, it's it, it's funny thing is, is people are afraid of calling their their representatives. You, you're not getting on the phone and you're not going to have a half hour discussion with your representative. No, you're going to call and but, say, I oppose this. I support this. Yeah. When, when you call, it, you know, you can send an email, you can do all this stuff. But when you call, that raises the awareness of the representatives, right. especially when their phone lines light up. I'm blowing you know, you up, get yeah. a, when you get When you light up a phone line, they pay attention. Yeah. Um, you know, for someone to pick up a phone, it's, it's a completely different um, reality that they live in. Because now they have to have staff dealing with this influx of calls. And they're like, well, what's going on? You know, they're going to start talking to their staff. What happened? Hey, you, you said that you support this and your constituent said no. They have to, re, you know, it forces them to rethink that. Right. Now, they may still vote the same way, but it at least gives them a pause going, hmm, I might have to answer for this during re-election time. You're absolutely now, let's see here. Um, I'm going to move on a little bit here because you have something else. You have another project, which is um, the ambassador. Well, ambassador Kevin. I was going to say, you know, not every you know, going on a, a concept I had earlier was not not every not everybody two A is a great communicator of the two A. You know, um, some people are not comfortable with it some people just want to just launch their emails but the the ambassador academy talk a little bit about that because this is something different no, there's nothing else around around like it well uh when i came back to the sport and i started um becoming more prominent working with michael bain and shooting gallery and uh being interviewed and things like that i was like man, I was like, told Michael, I was like, how can I go get training? Because I suck. And he goes, Oh, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. And it was years of just muddling through of being on camera. And then I was like, uh, you know, social media is very much a pain in my rear and I don't understand it. Um, and then filming and editing, you know, there's so much you can do with these cameras and these phones these days. So um, at some point I just pulled the trigger and I started hiring subject matter experts in, in all of these areas and then mix in a, a big dose of the second amendment. How do you talk about it? Um, we have some photographers that are amazing. So I wanted to give some tangible um, takeaways. So these photography can do headshots, action shots, product shots, things like that. So uh, once a year, we have this big shindig out at a, a place called Waft in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I call it Tactical Disneyland because it's more like a resort than it is a range. Uh, and and their, their facility is specializes in scenario-based training. So there's two dedicated spaces that's low light, uh, basically walking to your car. Um, and then there's a coffee shop. So it's amazing um, it's amazing facility. And that's our first day was personal protection. So you get a, a heavy dose of personal protection while you're there. Um, learn how to use a flashlight, learn how to, um, be situationally aware, um, do some, do some light hand to hand stuff. Uh, that's day one. And then day two through five is really jumping into, um, how to talk about the second amendment, how to do the social media, how to do the film and edit. Uh, all those things that a professional shooter needed, uh, but, but but didn't exist. So I created my own class. I haven't set through the entire class. I still suck at social media, uh, but we have some amazing instructors that everybody who comes out of this is just like on cloud nine. They act like, you know, they're at big kid camp. Um, they, they have a great time and they learn so much. And man, it is like drinking from the fire hose. Uh, it's five days, hard going, but everybody has such a good time that um, 
they seem to love it. Yeah, the, the, what I kind of equate this to, and it, it's not a, a really good, uh, really good um, translation, but it's almost like Toastmaster for 2A, but it's like a boot camp. It's like 2A Toastmasters boot camp. Um, you're going to know it you're going to deal with this stuff. Uh, Cause like, you know, I've been doing this for five years and social media is still kind of an enigma for me. You know, I, 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 I don't understand why some things hit and some things don't. Right. Uh, I, I had to learn video editing all on my own. Uh, eventually I build up my support group behind me with other content creators and we talk, but really this is what I like about this is, is you know, on the, on the day two through five, not saying day one's not interesting, but as a content creator myself, I look at this going social media strategy and analytics. You know, that's, that's amazing right there. Uh, Second amendment and hostile comms. You know, a lot of people where I was talking about, we, we don't really, we're not the best speakers about two way. We support it. You know, when some people get challenged, they'll just clam up. They'll just shut down. Well, that's why it's so important. It's so important for our community to educate ourselves about why we um, we oppose assault weapons ban. You have to be able to, in ten seconds, tell somebody why you don't support it. You have to be able. You have to intentionally teach yourself these things, or you won't be effective. Uh, remember, you're going up against a machine. Uh, so jumping back over to the DC project, if your people go to dcproject.info on the landing page, there is a one page document about, you know, don't say my, my cold dead hands. Don't talk about the constitution, talk about your emotion. And, and it talks about how to talk about it. And then some talking points about why we oppose uh, storage laws, why we oppose red flag laws. And it gives you some really bite-sized things that you can study and then regurgitate when it comes time to being in front of your friends, your family, and your community. But we do cover that in the Ambassador Academy as well. Because that's and that's the thing about it is social media is such a powerful platform, right? And it's and it is not going out and doing a ten minute video, a podcast, and something like you you. It appeals to you know attention spans are very short right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you don't get information in seconds, people are already on to the next thing. Right. And that's where it's kind of nice. I, I love talking, you know, it's basically, it's how to get your, your elevator speech down. Oh yeah. You only that's... have seconds to hook. You only have seconds to hook people and get your message out. That's one of our, uh, our practicals is our elevator speech. Awesome. Cause that, those are great things. To, to know they're, 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 they're amazing skills for anybody. I mean, this was definitely started to focus on uh, a professional shooter or somebody who wanted to up their sponsorships or things like that. But honestly, this, this a whole ambassador Academy is more about life skills than it is uh, just about uh, being a shooter or a, an ambassador for a company. Cause it, what I like about this is we're, you know, going back to what we talked about in the beginning going back to local, right? Mm-hmm. You know, here I live in Helena, Montana, my representative, I could run into my representative at a store mm-hmm. and I can say, Hey, I don't support whatever, or I support this, whatever, whatever my opinion is about whatever's going on. They're not going to have a complete discussion with me right there as they're in the checkout line, mm-hmm. but I want to be able to hook them at least enough that I can get another conversation with them. Right. Right. Um, or, you know, if I do, I can go right down to the Capitol building and talk to them. Uh, our legislature, our legislature only meets every other year. So you have a very small window where you have everybody together. Everybody's trying to get time, getting that hook really quick about your stance is important. And I love, I love where this is going with the ambassador Academy. Well, if you don't prepare, you do have a deer in the headlight. I had a deer in the headlight moment when I was in Washington, D.C. one year, and uh, I was standing at a light, and I had 36 seconds with uh, AOC right beside me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, Uh, gosh, Don't don't do anything stupid. Uh, But I, like, totally, totally didn't have anything to say, and I couldn't think 
in order to say. So now having been through that experience, now I know exactly what I will say if I run into somebody who I know is a, a huge anti-er and, you know, just have something well, to say, have a plan. I mean, preparation is important. I mean, even just for this podcast, I have notes that I, I can go back on so that I, I can stay on topic. I'm prepared to make the best of the time, make, you know, right. be respectful of your time, my time, the audience's time. Right. And if for some reason you vapor lock, you know, I've, I've done professional speaking in, in my professional life. I do cybersecurity work. There's nothing, there's nothing like being on stage and vapor locking. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's tough. And then that's when you find out exactly how powerful your deodorant is. <laughs> when, you, when you start sweating, uh, the audio and, and you have bright lights and cameras and people are like, you can hear the silence start to you hear the murmur in the, in the audience. And then the only thing of is about how bad it is as opposed to getting yeah. out of it. Yeah. And so it, it's it, preparation's important. And I love that you're talking about that, you know, be prepared for these conversations. If you're going to have these conversations, be prepared. I mean, also understand what, you know, what the, uh, not the audience, the, the, the opposition is, right? Okay. What is their stance? Because if you could take their stance and then show them where the flaw in their stance is, right? they're the ones that vapor lock. They're the ones like, uh, um, uh, like, gotcha. Well, and that's where you may not know exactly what's coming or what they're going to say. But if you can come back with, if you can memorize like five things like guns save lives, education is the key to safety. If you can bridge back to those talking points, nothing take, you know, nothing can take away that I am my own first responder. Um, I don't care what you say. I will always go back to being a policeman and saying, I know how long it takes for policemen to get there. And I am my own first responder. Um, things like that, that you, but again, it's all about preparation and uh, knowing that if you get stuck, that's where I'm going. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because you, you think about that. You, I'm a very big believer in you are your own first responder uh, mm -hmm. here. It, it, you know, here in Montana, I think our average response time, well, depending on where you are, could be anywhere from 10 minutes to hours. Right. Um, you know, and, and talking about that and instead of going to, well, 860 feet per second is faster than 10 minutes. Um, you're going to lose an argument like that. You know, you want to talk logically about this going, hey, I live in a rural area. If something happens, my first responder is... 30 minutes away. Well, I need to be able to protect myself. It's much different if your mentality is to uh, get points and win versus influence. If you really have right. a heart to influence for our issue, it's going to take some work because we, what we really want to do is we want to spar, you know, we want to, you're, you're ignorant, yeah. you're dumb, you're, you know, call name, whatever it is, you've got to physically push that out of your mind. Uh, because I, you know, early on in, in my career, I had said something to, a, a, a girl that I assumed since she had guns was a conservative. And I said something about being a libtard, the libtards. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, I'm liberal. And I was like, wow. Hmm, okay. Well, that's when I realized that not all Democrats hate guns. Um, but, uh, then I realized I should not use that word. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to be partisan. The Second Amendment is for everyone. And we definitely need the Democrats to push back against those people who have embraced it. You know, their party has really embraced gun control. Um, and so we really need my language is going to influence people if they want to be around me or not. And if I'm calling them names, they're not necessarily going to want to listen to me or have any warm, fuzzy feelings towards me. So how am I We're helping? And they're in your community. Yeah. Um, you know, I learned that I, I've talked to, uh, gosh, I think it was about 15 years ago. I was talking to someone and um, very liberal. And, you you know, it's you could tell he's a very hippie kind of guy, super nice guy. Uh, we didn't agree on a lot of stuff politically. But then I found out that he was in a band 
the, and the band's name was literally Hippie with Guns. And we would talk about guns and, you know, it, it, he, he loved uh, Frankie shotguns. And you know, we got talking about all kinds of stuff and had great conversation. He was in my community at that point. We might not see, we might be in opposite communities on something else, but at that point we can, we're being respectful of each other. And that, I think that's the biggest problem we have is sometimes when we see opposition, people lose respect and you still need to respect that person. I like to say that if, if you resort to F you, you lost the argument. Right. Um, and that's where a lot of people do. They, they, they don't, they're not prepared. They resort to that. You know, I'm just going to shut down. You lost. Right. Um, and, and you don't want to do that. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're running, we're running a little on uh tight on, and I know you have back-to-back interviews. <laughs> um, would you mind tell me a little bit about what it was like being a female officer? Oh, wow. Uh, my career as a police officer was amazing. I loved it. Uh, it wasn't easy. There were definitely citizens or definitely police officers that didn't necessarily, you know, there was that female male, it was a, it was a traditional male role. So it was, uh, I wasn't a trailblazer by any means, but I could feel that. Uh, but I was one of those people that just, just, you know, pull your uh, self up by your bootstraps and you do a good job. You do a better job than everybody else. So uh, you can prove to them that you are, are where you're supposed to be. Uh, it was a great career. It went by fast. Uh, it taught me a lot. And uh, now I just feel like I'm, I'm on a completely uh, different uh, career path. Another, my second career. <laughs> you're, you're finding out what you want to be when you grow up. That's right. 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 Now, do you, do you feel that being an officer kind of helps you out with now your second career? Uh, it gives me legitimacy when I speak about, uh, you know, being your own first responder. You can't tell me, you can't tell me that it, how long it took me to get from a 911 call to, to helping you. And you can't tell me how many times I show up too late. Uh, I have all of those experiences. I have, uh, so when uh, like an anti-gun lobby wants to talk about gun control, they have no legitimacy. They have no, they have no experience with violence. They have no experience with firearms. So I think that's what being a cop really brings uh, to the table for me and the DC project is that I have some legitimacy and standing on what I'm saying. Awesome. Cause I mean, that's, that's the one thing. Like, if I go back to, uh, I just realized I've been on that for a while. Um, if we go back to, like, you know, the DC project, and you know, your board and your and your um, your state coordinators there, like Robin Sandoval, who I said was on the on the podcast a while ago, she was an anti-gunner. So powerful. Um, her story is so powerful and her voice it is. is so powerful. And, and that's what we need to tell the world is that um, the people who have seen the light, they're very powerful stories. I mean, that, that conversation I had with her in the podcast was, was, was amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause you know, I talked to her, I talked to her before going through and going, okay, Hey, look, um, I'm going to ask you some questions about being an anti, you know, about your anti-gun background. She goes, bring it. Well, I have no problems talking about it. And she talked about that journey. And I, honestly, it was it was a story that I wasn't even prepared for um, as much as I tried to prepare for because I'm I'm expecting, um, you know, I'm expecting something completely different. And then she talks about Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I totally did not see that one coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's why it's important. If any of your, your listeners have stories like that, it's really important. I mean, I'm collecting, I'm cataloging stories. Uh, so if anybody is a super liberal, a Democrat, a previous anti, um, you know, anything that can show the diversity and, and the power of that transition from anti to, um, to pro 2A, I would love for them to join us at the DC project, dcproject.info. Um, and then the ambassador Academy is ambassadoracademy.info. Our next class is February 11th through the 15th. 
2023. And then I would love for everybody to, um, you know, all the social media stuff is so important. Uh, if everybody could follow, like, comment, whatever it is on my Instagram page is die, D-I, three gun, the number three gun. And then on uh, Facebook, it's Diana Muller three gun. And I'd love for, you know, love to communicate and, and um, just save our pages. You know, it's so important for our community to support each other since we're getting shut down so much. <laughs> and for everybody listening or watching in the description, I will have the links to the web pages and the social media accounts. So that way you're not, if you're driving, don't worry, don't pull out a pen and start writing as you're driving. Um, you just know you can go back to the podcast and there'll be a link right in the description for you to click to get immediate access to all the stuff that, that Diane is talking about. And we're now opening we're registration next week for um, the Ambassador Academy. I, I, it's only a 16-person class, so it's a very, very small class. Uh, it does cost $3,500 for the five days. Um, and that's all inclusive other than your travel. That's all inclusive, correct? Yeah, it, it, it includes, um, it includes breakfast and lunch every day, a great swag bag and all of your, um, all of your UTM is what is the guns that they use. Yep. So guns, gear and stuff like that, but your travel and your hotel this year are going to be on you. Awesome. So that way, once you leave that hotel, when you get there, you can get you can get your brain food on in the morning. Yeah, you can get your brain we, food for your we, afternoon sessions. Ryan is our chef, and and we usually do feed everybody at least uh, once or twice during the evening time because it's literally we can't get people to leave. Um, <laughs> so Ryan has plans things now because we have been caught without you know without any food and people are still there and enjoying each other or training or still training. So now we, we build in like a, a one or two nights of uh, meals. So that's why on, on the website, it says he's chef, Mr. Fix it and company relations. Yes. And of course, Ryan is your husband. For those who don't know. He is. Now, if, you know, we talked, or we're going to have all the links to the websites down there, but talk to me a little bit about how people can support the DC project. There's so many different ways. Would you mind just going over a couple? Sure, sure. Uh, join us. Uh, it's free to join. Uh, we are not a membership-based, um, uh, you know, um, $25 a year. We probably should be, but we're not. Uh, so if you want to give us $25 and call it uh, a donation, we would appreciate that. Uh, that would go a long way. If it's just 10 bucks, 10 bucks to 25 bucks from everybody would, would go a long way. But uh, if you, you know, who knows Elon Musk? Uh, I would love, I would love, love, love to find our own Bloomberg as would any other pro 2A people. But um, yeah, just talk to your friends, tell your friends about it, tell your legislators about it. Um, get your girls to sign up and because there's, there's, you know, safety in numbers and the more numbers that we have, the more we can see. So it's free to sign up. So get every woman in your life to sign up, uh, for the DC project. They'll get dumped into our States, wherever they live. Um, and, uh, just make a difference there. So that's how they money, time, talent, and treasure. That's it. Awesome. Everybody needs so now it. We're, uh, now, I want to be respectful of your time. I'm just going to wrap up with a, a quick speed round. It's just uh, this or that question, a couple okay. of this or that questions. So for hearing protection, mm -hmm. passive or electronic? I do, um, I do a combination of both. I have some plugs, but if I'm shooting a rifle specifically, I do both. I double muff. It's good because like for me, I have hearing loss and I, uh, yeah, I, I get really anal about my hearing protection. And uh, like when I shoot my 308, it's got a 16 inch barrel with a break. Mm -hmm. It's deafening. <laughs> and that's definitely double protection on that. Well, I like the little um, grizzly ears because they have a Bluetooth. Um, that's yep. kind of my earbuds, my ear pods. Um, but yeah, go ahead. What's the next question? So handguns or long guns? I know that's tough because you're a three gunner. <laughs> tough because there's two long guns and like one handgun. So I'm going to go with long guns. <laughs> okay. 
So after range day, would you rather reload ammo or clean guns? Did I mention I was married? Because that's not <laughs> my, that is not what I do. No. Um, I have an amazing ammo sponsor. It was Fioki. And um, so blessed to have them and that I don't have to reload. Um, and then I do have a husband that cleans my guns for the most part. So cleans and tinkers. He is okay. to fix it. That's okay. I clean my wife's too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, would you rather build a rifle or buy a rifle? I would rather buy a rifle. I have actually, I'm talking to Daniel Defense about having a whole package because as a girl and I'm not the tinkerer, I don't want to do the Mr. Potato Head. I want to be, I can shoot. I can pick it up and I can shoot it but I can't build it. I can't work on it. I can barely, you know, take it apart and clean it if I had to. Uh, so I, I appreciate, I want to put out a skew for Daniel defense, uh, as like, here is what you need. And it's going to have a night force scope on it. It's going to have a hyperfire trigger in it. And, um, it's just going to be, uh, ready to go. It's plug and play for you. It's so funny because like we have a guy, well, I won't mention his, his name, but um, he's like, how do I get the scope on this rifle? Does there, I don't see anywhere to, and he, he didn't have Where any, goes. he didn't have any rings. So uh, Ryan took care of him as well. But you know, there are people out there and especially there's like 13 million first time gun owners. How many people feel that way? How many people feel okay. like, well, I don't understand how all this goes together but they could understand the manipulations and they could understand how to shoot it, but they, yeah, buying it. Ah, I, I agree. Cause uh, you know, my audience is primarily new gun owners or people learning new skills. So um, yeah, sometimes you just want to just get it and have it set up for you. Cause I'll admit I'm a lazy shooter too. You know, I, I just kind of, I, I, I sitting there doing math on a bullet drop. I just want to have, a mark on my scope to tell me put this on the target and I'm ready to go. There you go. Yeah, have your audience <laughs> call Daniel Defense and ask uh, ask for that Diana skew. There you go. <laughs> and last question: If there's only one caliber that you could shoot for the rest of your life, what would it be? Nine mil. Awesome. Well, Diana, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I know you got to run to your <laughs> next interview. How do you, how do you choose? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I do appreciate you taking some time out and uh, thank you for joining us today. All right. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I had an awesome time talking to Diana. Definitely go check out DC project and ambassador Academy. I have all the links down below in the description. So that way you can just click on them and go right to everything that you need to go to. DC Project is fighting for your rights, and it's not cheap. Trust me, I lived on the East Coast. I've lived outside of DC for a year. It's not cheap. Nothing's cheap about DC, and they really need some help. Definitely consider donating to the DC Project. Also, if you're a content creator, you want to learn about how to talk to a check out that Ambassador Academy. Trust me, I'm thinking about it. I just need to recover from, well, life. Because it's been a rough year and you notice that episode 51 is a week late. Episode 51 was supposed to be last week with someone else. Unfortunately, they dropped out, had a backup person. Their internet connection wasn't all that strong and it just we just had to cut it off. So I was gonna do a solo show last week and Life smacked me really hard in the face. So on Saturday morning, I woke up. YouTube channel had a strike, so I had a mandatory one-week timeout. So it was going to be rough anyway, because episode 51, the one I was going to record, wouldn't have come out. At least not on YouTube. So I couldn't upload. To top things off. I found that out at 5.30, or around 5 or 5.30 in the morning on Saturday morning. I went downstairs to the studio to find the studio. Flooded. 
So yeah, I spent Monday fighting with insurance companies. Well, actually I didn't do it. My wife was fighting with the insurance companies while I was dealing with the restoration people. And um, I'm back in the studio. There's still some work that needs to be done, but we're, um, we're getting back at it. We're getting content out. If you're watching this on the day this comes out, which is on Monday, yesterday, on Sunday is when the strike, you know, the releases the one week hold on the channel. Strike still sits there for 90 days, but I get to publish content again. So check it out because I have a video that should have been out on Friday, actually came out yesterday. Life sometimes hits you. You just roll with it and move on. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. I look forward to talking to you again soon.